the Remarkable People podcast. Check it out. The Remarkable People podcast. Listen, do, repeat for life. Hello, friends. I'm David Pasqualone, and welcome to episode 46 of the Remarkable People podcast, The Chaz Horn Story. In this episode, you're going to learn not only business skills and sales skills, but more importantly, life skills and encouragement. Chaz is a remarkable guy who practices what he preaches. I met Chaz through LinkedIn. Chaz is a LinkedIn expert. What do you know? But when I met Chaz, we continued the dialogue. We got to know one another. And I find out he's a remarkable dude. So in this episode, Chaz is going to share his story about a knock at the door and how he kept him from committing suicide. Chaz's going to be open and transparent and talk about when a mentor, who at that point was just someone who cared, a stranger that he worked for intervening that said, you can be. And then he's going to talk to you about how all of us, whether you're a professional in business or whether you're an expert at what you do, this message will help us all. So as you listen to this story, take out your notes, make points that apply to you, think through them and don't just listen, but do them repeat them and have a great life. And before we start, as you're going to see in the story again, Chaz is a remarkable human, a great salesperson, a great trainer, a master at LinkedIn experts in forming relationships. But with all that said, God has brought us a sponsor to bring you this episode. So let's thank them. This sponsor is someone I met years ago through a men's Bible study. And on Thursday nights, we all met, got together, just the guys, had a Thanksgiving-type feast meal every Thursday. And then we truly fellowshiped with one another, dug into the Word of God, and helped each other grow as iron sharpeneth iron. And as we're doing that, we rotated each week at different people's houses in the group, 15 to 20 of us. And one day, Ron Vanderpoel had us over his house. I didn't really know Ron, or what he did, but he's a world-class taxidermist. So check out the show notes, ronvanderpoel.com, and it'll bring you to Vanderpoel Taxidermy. When you walk in this gentleman's shop, it is amazing, remarkable even. And I've seen work done by many people. I have friends who are avid hunters, go on safaris, but Ron's work is truly superior. I went in his shop and there was bears and there was deer and there was elk and there was things I've never heard of or seen. But when I walked in and saw this mountain lion and it was so real, my brain truly couldn't process this thing was stuffed and he was doing it. He wasn't even finished. 
to be a taxidermist, you need to be a sculptor. You need to be, you know, make frames. You need to be an artist. You need to be a candy man or woman. You need to be all these things. It's truly a dying art and profession. To find someone who can do it is rare. To find someone who can do it well is even rare. But to find someone who's a master, he's got clients all over the world. You go to his website, you talk to him, you ship it in, he ships it out, and it's mind-blowingly good. So check out ronvanderpoel.com, check out the show notes for the proper spelling, and next time you go on a hunt and you want to mount your trophy, or I know this sounds crazy, your loved one, you got a dog, a cat, a horse, something you love that you want to keep with you, talk to Ron. All right. So Ron Vanderpool, Vanderpool Taxidermy sponsored this episode. Thank you, Ron. And for all of you listeners out there, we're 46 episodes in the show where you're listening all over the world. You might be in Pensacola, Florida. You might be in Milford, Massachusetts. You might be in Idaho. You might be in Brazil. You might be in Australia. You might be in mainland China. Wherever you are, we appreciate you. Thank you for listening. Please share this with your friends. Rate and review us in the different podcast directories. And if we can't get a five-star review, let me know. Go to davidpasqualone.com. Go to the contact us and say, hey, big nose, you need to fix this. Then I can give you a five-star review. But that's it. But we love you. We're thankful for you. We're here for you. And now listen to this remarkable episode with Chaz Horn. Welcome to the Remarkable People Podcast. We love you. Stick around to the end. There's a special offer for you after the interview, and I can't wait to let you hear it. Hey, Chaz. How are you today, brother? Excellent. Great to be here, David. Oh, man. It's great to have you. I am so excited for today's episode. The listeners just heard your background and where we're going with today's episode. But just as a recap for everybody, we're blessed to have listeners from all around the country and in 70 plus countries outside of the U.S. And ladies and gentlemen, Chaz, yeah, it's, it's a great opportunity for us all to grow together. So Chaz, what we're going to have you do is share your story. You can go as far back as birth to in between to where you are maybe just a few months ago and share with us not only the obstacles and challenges you had to face, but the practical steps of how you overcame them so we can too. And right. then we're going to transition to where's Chaz today and where are you going so the listener and the listeners and I can get behind you and help you get there. So that's it. Now, nobody wants to hear me. They want to hear you. So let's do this, Chaz. Please share with us your remarkable story. Let's, let's do it. David, great to be here. And so my background, I grew up in a very critical environment. I never thought I had any potential. I don't think I'm a victim or anything. I just want to kind of set the framework with where I was and how I grew up and how I learned through that. So in growing up, I never thought that I was ever going to really amount to anything. In my head, I had a dream seeing myself on stage with in front of a millions of people shouting my name, but it was a dream. And so I didn't know where I was, where I was going, and I never saw myself as anything much at all. I wandered all over the place. I got into lots and lots of trouble. And so I ended up homeless, living in my car. I was 20, around 22, 23 at the time. I was too ashamed to tell anybody in my family. 
And it was at that point in time in my life where I got my first B2B sales job. And Ken Upton, my boss, soon to be mentor, had me over for dinner one night. He didn't know I was homeless. And to let everyone know, I was 119 out of 119 salespeople. It was a 100% commission job. So that means I was making zero zilch nada, living in my car. And so Ken invited me over for dinner one night, which is great because I don't think I'd eaten for a couple of days at that point in time. And, and as I mentioned, he didn't know I was, I was homeless. And so I went over to his house for dinner. We had a nice dinner and he pulled me into his den afterwards. And if you can imagine, it was Northern California. Northern California is a little bit cooler. There's a fire in the fireplace. The setting is kind of like the master to student or Sifu to his student. And so he sat down in his chair and I was right beside him. There was a, a light in between us. And he looked at me and he said, Chaz, are you sick and tired? And I'm like, he goes, are you sick and tired of not making any money? I know it's 100% commission and I know you're not making any money. And I had been there a mm, month and a half or so. I said, yes. He says, well, you gotta quit doing it your way. You gotta follow a system and a process. And if you do that, these three words that I'm about to tell you changed my life. He said, you can be. Just hearing somebody say that, and with the exception of a sixth grade teacher, I never heard anyone say, you can be. He said, you can be, and he or followed that with the number one salesperson in the company. But just hearing somebody in a place of authority in my life telling me, you can be. And so he's, I was like, whoa. So my ears perked up. And then he said, you've got to follow the system. You've got to follow the process. And so I left his house that night with hope. And so the next day I went into, I started following the system. I started following the process. It wasn't perfect. I failed, but I was reaching out. I was executing. I started scheduling meetings. And so, and then I started closing sales. And then I started closing sales consistently. And so in a span of 30 days, I went from 119 to number three. I wasn't number one, but number three in the company. And I moved out of a place with automatic windows. Nice. Nice. Yes. So it just shows the power of the words that we use when speaking to other people. Words can give life or they can take life. And it was about, it was that point in time in my life that I started to formulate my why. I didn't fully understand it yet. I went from that place to kind of a place of egotistical because I was number one in sales or top in sales for the next 25 years in all the different places that I worked. And so I went from that. I understand my potential, but I still was lacking where I was within my life, lacking direction. And so around two, in 14 years later, I got to a place in my life where I was a crushing it. I had broken all sales records in this one company I worked for, most sales in a day, week, month, year, five-year period. And I just, I was, that was my whole life. I thought, hey, I'm a number one salesperson, man. I'm awesome. But I just lacked, <laughs> lacked uh, character in my personal life. I just didn't understand so many different things about relationships and whatnot. So 
my mom got cancer. She ended up dying. My dad died. I went through a divorce and I realized that my sales, top sales, it was kind of meaningless. And so I went from a place of thinking I was so great and a legend in my own mind to getting to a place where I was deeply depressed. And after going through the divorce, my kids were like my whole world. And so not seeing them each and every night, I, and my mom dying, my dad dying to divorce, I ended up losing my job. I was just in a very dark place. And so one night I was laying on, on, on my living room carpet and I was just, <clears throat> I was going to take my own life. No note. I bought a gun. I loaded it with hollow point bullets, took the safety off. And I was tapping my finger against the trigger with the gun to my head. And so as I was doing that, all of a sudden I heard, and it was someone knocking at the door. It was my brother. And so my brother felt like God had told him to go over to my house. He had never gone over to my house. Okay. And so out of the blue, middle of the night, you know, he came over to my house. So we probably wouldn't be speaking today if it wasn't for him doing that and listening to God and following his direction. Yeah. And the so, obedience. A lot of times we hear, Hey, you need to do this, but we, oh, I'll do it later. But because yeah. he was obedient in the moment, we have a privilege to learn together. Mm hmm. And you never know where you are in someone's life. And if you aren't sensitive to God's voice, you may miss out in an opportunity to serve someone in a now, obviously, that's very powerful, because I probably wouldn't be around here today. But you never know where someone is just by a kind word, a smile, an encouragement, anything, holding a door open, and smiling to someone it can make their day and they could be in a place where, you know, they're devastated. They're depressed. You know, we're right now we're in the pandemic and there's a lot of people struggling with depression and having problems with where it is. And here we're talking about lockdowns again. So we are made to serve other people. And if we're not helping other people, then we're missing out in our lives. And that's where at that point in time in my life, it kind of switched where I started understanding, oh, it's not just about me, it's about others. And so what happened is I, 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 I went through a struggle with some problems with mindset and whatnot and got out of depression. And I worked with some people which, which helped me, give me some direction, really dove deep into God's word. And God gave me a promise, Jeremiah 29, 11. It seems like everybody gets that promise, right? <laughs> I yeah, it's, hey, it's I, God's promises for us all. And that's a great yeah, verse. I know the plans I have for you, plans to help you, not to harm you, declares the Lord, plans to give you a future and a hope. And so with that and a lot of other promises, I started to make progress and started to rebuild my life, trusting God, getting to another job and finally working my way up to getting to a, another another position. But at that point in time, I was still struggling with a lot of different things because I was living. Have you taken the DISC assessment by, by chance, David? Yes, absolutely. Yep. Okay. So there's the DISC. And for everyone out there, if you don't know it, if you do animals, 
it would be the D would be like a lion, dominant, driven. The I would be like an otter, fun loving, you know, playful. The S would be like a golden retriever, very loyal, consistent. And the C would be like a, a beaver, very consistent, fastidious, really into the details. And so I was a high I, but I was living my life like a high D. I have D in my life. By the way, what are you? I'm, there's so many different tests, like exactly what Chaz is talking about. You have <laughs> earth, wind, fire, you got the disc, you get all these methods. Right. But if I was on the disc method, I am otter and the D, the, the lion. So I'd be yeah. like otter and lion mix as well. And yeah. it's funny because it's myself, my wife, my son, and my daughter. And all of us are the opposite too. We all have an overlap and it goes around our family. So communication is either wonderful or terrible. So, but yeah. yeah. So if anybody of you are listening and you haven't taken it, I'll put a link to a free one in the show notes. And then that way you can take it. And it's not just for fun. It really gives you insight into who you are and how to be a better communicator. And Chaz, I think I know you continue where you're going, but yeah, my, and I am very little beaver. So I'm very yeah, little yeah, like, yeah, like, in accounting. <laughs> And then you uh-huh. got the, the golden retriever. I, I hate to say it, but I'm just not that empathetic. But when it comes to the, hey, let's just hang out or spontaneous, that's the beaver. Right. And let's just like, hey, you're in my way. Let's move. That's the lion. So right. yeah. is that how you are? Yeah, I am. And so in, in just kind of segueing from that. So I have some D, but my I, the otter is higher than the lion for everyone else who doesn't familiar with the disc. But at that point in time, all the companies were interviewing and they didn't want high eyes. Before it used to be, we want the high eye because they really know how to talk. But then they were realizing, yeah, they know how to talk, but they don't know how to listen. A key component in selling is listening. (laughs) Not just listening, but listening to understand. Very important. So I knew that. And so what they were looking for. And so I took the test to be a high D so I can get a job. And I lived my life as a D for about seven years. And it was, it was really kind of just, I was, I was successful in sales, but it just wasn't natural. And so during that point in time, I came across a book called Kazone. It's spelled Chazone. It has nothing to do with me. It's the Hebrew word. If you say it in Hebrew, it's actually Chazone. Chazone. It means God's passion for your life. And so that book, being in leadership, being around other people, a mentor started giving me some direction as I was in sales. I always had kind of an entrepreneurial spirit. I tried some side hustles, but it was just nothing that I really wanted to do. So I was worked my way into a sales manager position. And during that time and place, I loved coaching my salespeople and they didn't have a sales process or a marketing process in place. And so it was, they were going through sales rep after sales rep after sales rep after sales rep. And so I came in, restructured everything. So there was a process for them to plug into. And by the way, everyone listening out here, if you have a business and maybe you don't like sales and you're trying to get a salesperson so that they will fill that void, that's probably one of the biggest mistakes that most businesses will make. Do not hire a salesperson if you do not have a process to plug them into. And if you don't understand the process, because if you don't have a process and you just invite them in and say, 
here's our CRM. It's like, oh, wow, the magical CRM. There's 5,000 people in there, right? It will lead to frustration for the salesperson and it will lead to frustration for you. So get a proven process in place that you know and understand, then you can hire people to the process and you can manage your people to the process. And so you should know and understand that. So- Yeah, and I agree with you completely because a lot of people who run businesses are great at what they do, but they don't understand sales or they don't understand the marketing. So they just say, well, do it this way. And now exactly what you said, Chaz, happens. Not only are you honestly setting them up for failure and frustration for yourself, but if they were able to navigate through that naturally, you're almost suffocating them in their creativity to succeed. So you're, you're dead on there, man. And I, one thing that I really appreciate about your bio that I know where you're going is just your whole mentality and philosophy on sales, because to most people, they think sales, Oh, dirty car salesman, insurance agent, Mm -hmm. you know, let's do say what we have to, to close the deal, but that's not what sales is to you or me. And that's why I'm really excited that the whole world is listening to you now share what sales really is. So thank you for being here and keep going. The whole world. I'm a little nervous now. <laughs> well, well, whole world in the sense of around people. the globe. We Woo! can't, I don't think we're going to do 7 billion right. but we'll as many as we can. Okay. So to, to continue on along those lines and you bringing that up, this is where I kind of was starting to know and understand the sales process. And from my experience in Kazone, and trusting God, getting mentors in my life. I didn't like managing people. I love coaching people and I always wanted to start my business. And so remember I talked about being homeless and then Ken saying, you can be? Well, that was the formulation of my starting to be my why because I grew up not understanding my potential. And when someone said to me, you can be, it's like, wow, that's cool. Now, you know, years later, I'm thinking, I want to help other people based on the pain. By the way, everyone's pain, your why usually has a pain from your past. If you don't know your why, Simon Sinek has a book and a TED talk. You can Google search or a YouTube search, you know, start with why. Our why is a lot more compelling than meeting a need in the marketplace. So my why today, and I was starting to formulate it right then and there, was to help people understand their potential, then help them realize it. Because that's exactly what Ken did for me. And so everyone out there, if you have a pain and a problem from your past, don't feel shame about it. Embrace it. Because it's most likely God is going to use that in your life to serve other people. So embrace it be authentic and transparent about it. And when you are, you're going to connect with people in a much deeper way. And to your point, David, the first step in my sales process, this was starting to develop. It used to be, you know, you go through, you use a tactic, you get someone to the next level and you uncover pain and all these different things. And it was just missing. So I had some, I was still meeting with different mentors. I was going through tons of different books. And I finally came to this place where I developed my own sales process. And now here I am starting my business. And this is about four years ago. So the first step in our sales process is intention. Going with the intention to serve. 
when you go with the intention to serve, it does not mean that you're a, 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 a you know, wet noodle that you just, oh, okay, you need to think about it. You haven't had a sale for three months and you need to think about it and you'll call me back in a year. Okay. You're not serving them unless you uncover the problem, what it's costing them, how it's preventing them from reaching a goal or objective, and most importantly, how it affects them directly. When you have that information, then you can have a laser focused presentation based on where they are, where they wanna go and the problems they're facing. And you should never ever present if you're not hearing a descriptive adjective that could have some bleep, 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 I can't sleep and things like that. If you don't hear that information and I'm in B2B sales, so I'm not talking B2C, I'm talking B2B sales, okay? So the intention is- And one just thing. to interrupt you again, our audience is vast. B2B is business to business if you're listening and B2C is business to consumer. So yes. if you don't know what that means, we're talking with Chaz about a business reference, but listen closely. Don't just disengage or turn off the podcast because all this is communication. All yes. this is everyday communication. Could be with your spouse, your boss, could be with your employees. So this is life lessons he's teaching here. So, so hang tight. It's yes. And this works with B2C, by the way. Just so you know, B2C relationships, all this leads together. And one of the things that I want to incorporate right here that will help people is, and one thing I tell my clients all the time, you being you will attract the right people into your life and the right clients into your business. Many times we see someone and we want to do what they do because, wow, I'm impressed. You can learn from some of the things they do, but you have to be yourself. Through this entire journey of my life, it took me a while to mature and understand who I am, understand my identity. And when I became, I haven't arrived or anything like that. Okay. I don't think that. None of us have while we're living, man, or God yeah. will take us home. <laughs> Being comfortable with who I am is amazing. And so as I stepped into my business and going with the intention to serve and being myself, things just started to flow as opposed to trying to regimentally or being very rigid about doing this step and this step and this step, it started to flow. And for the first time in my life, I started speaking with clients and it was, it was just like, words would be out of my mouth without hesitation, without pause. And my energy level just went to another level. It was just going up. And so during this time, I'm going to give people four things that are important to have to grow your business. If you have a business or you want to start a business, these four things you have to have in place in order to grow or scale your business. I All right, hold on then. Hold on. That's I, Before you get that, that's a great stopping point. Because you've given us so much great content and you're going to give us these four principles that people can use and run with. But I want to ask you some questions if you don't mind before. Sure, go ahead. You mentioned that when your mom died, your dad died, you went through a divorce, you mentioned quickly you lost your job. Yes. That's natural during that kind of tragedy in life circumstances. So you're saying your personal life was bleeding into your professional life, correct? Most definitely. Okay. So now... 
if you don't mind for the listeners, we've all been there. I had crazy chaos in 2015 where I was PTSD. I thought PTSD was only for soldiers. And I've come to find out over the last six years, it's no, it's, it's, I was there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, everybody can experience it to a different level. And I never wanted to take away from the soldiers and what they go through and that trauma. But I started reading PTSD textbook, what it is. And I had every symptom, even to the right. point where I couldn't hear right in a crowded room. So right. talk to us. All of us have issues and some to severing different differential degrees for those suffering. And in that low place right now, what are the practical steps you took to get out? So before we get to your magic four, great question. Great question. No, I'm, I'm going, I'm going to, I'm going to go deep here. Okay. Great question. So, and let me build on where I was back then. So everyone knows now, remember here, I was a top salesperson, a legend in my own mind, you know, and then all of a sudden my mom died it, and I wasn't, I, I didn't know how to deal with grief because I suppress, I was taught how I grew up to suppress all my feelings, which is a very destructive way to live. That's one of the reasons why I got to the place with a gun to my head because I didn't know how to deal with stuff. Then my dad died the divorce. And so all this was crashing down around me and David, it was like, I couldn't sell my way out of a paper bag at that point in time. I mean, literally, I lost, you know, here I was Mr. Egotistical Narcissist, and now I was like, sucked at everything I did. I tried to business broker, they, everything just fell through. And it was, God was using that time in my life to build me, not based on ego, but based on humility, using a skill set to start to serve other people. And so... I started, my confidence was level was gone. And, and just started, to point out too, you had the skills. It wasn't about the education. It wasn't about the skill set. This was all mindset, correct? It was huge mindset. It was, yes, it was huge. Now, back then I didn't have the skill set developed because there's, there's about 10 years between there until getting really good at sales and then another four years before my business came and started. I just took massive action, okay? Back then, I just executed. And I was not selling from a place of serving back then, okay? I was selling from a place of wanting to get to a certain level. So this is what was so amazing and great and a blessing with being totally devastated. And I got to a place where I, you know, I lost everything, the divorce, and, and I was like living in this guy's basement, you know, my kids were visit me and I'm in this guy's basement. And so I got a job that was like way, 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 way below me, but that's where I saw myself at the time. And so I started working that job, started giving my all. I had a boss who was terrible. Okay. And I got a little bit of confidence and then I got to the next level. Now, during this time, I'm praying, God, help me. I want to be used by you. Help me. And a lot of times my prayer was just help me. <laughs> okay. It was just help me, help me, help me. So in a span from having nothing to getting the one job within a year, I, I doubled my income. I got confidence. And then I doubled my income again. And I got to this other job and, and, and it wasn't like 
my first job was like 18,000 then got up and then so I was getting into about six figures. And so to talk about the mindset and whatnot, I focused on what I needed to do as opposed to what was going all on, on around me. I had a, a habit in my life of living in fear. And so if something, and this actually kind of helped promote that, that, that sense and that, that false belief system, that if something bad happened, it's like, oh man, this is just the tip of the iceberg. It's just gonna get bad. And my mind would just keep going and going and going and going. And so I talked about laying on the floor and I don't wanna make light of having a gun to my head. I've told this story many times. So it may come across kind of flippant and please know and understand. I, I don't wanna communicate that. That's very serious. There's a lot of people with, with trauma and depression and whatnot. I was in a very dark place. You don't get there if you're not in a dark place. But being in that place, not knowing how to go any lower God really started to build into my life. And I started to see myself more as a child of God, as opposed to just, I'm great, I'm awesome. You know, the self-affirmations and understanding my identity in, in Christ. And so I started to grow, develop and change with a sense of humility. I kind of got off track there when I was going down and I forgot. And so if you have a question to drill down on that, David, please, please ask. No, that's beautiful. I do want to point out one thing, because this is something that back then you were learning and growing this process, and now you're so used to it, second nature. Yes. But you made the comment, you said, oh, yes. I did what I needed to do to get back on track. Thank you. But that's for you going. to, yeah, but for you to know what you needed to do, there need to be a clear vision. So how did you go from my world's falling apart? I'm at the low to, okay, here's a vision, reverse engineer the steps. So talk about that if you don't mind. Yeah, that's exactly where I want to go. Great job. Great question. So to get to a place where I was in that deep, deep depression, this is what we all do is we replay stuff from our past. This is one of the things we do. This is what I was doing. I was replaying, why am I here? Why did I do that? How can I change? You can't change the past you can only act in the present based on where you're hoping to go in the future. So at that point in time, I started to stifle and put to bed the crap from the past. I met with a therapist. I was able to work through some of those things, able to work through some of my grief. And the therapist, because they were putting me on all these different drugs and stuff, she's like, you don't need any of these drugs. She's like, you're going through bereavement, another word for grief. And so Fran Stiles was a major, it, she was just awesome. I get choked up. I have goosebumps just thinking about her in my life because without her, I don't know where I'd be today. And she helped me understand how to work through things because I didn't know how to, you know, I, I suppressed everything, my feelings. I didn't know how to work through feelings. So she helped me do that. So as opposed to replaying and dramatizing all those things from the past, and here I am, woe is me, I started to think about, I am a child of God, Ephesians 2.10. I am his workmanship created for good works. That was one of the verses that was key in my life. And when you understand that you are created unique, like no other in the universe, 
for a special purpose and plan, it changes your thinking process. And it's a lot more powerful than being good at doing something like being the best at sales. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So that was kind of the mindset set shift. <laughs> Almost said something that didn't come that's out. A new, like. That's a new word without the swear. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to brand that word. That'll be part of my, my mindset branding program I have coming out soon. <laughs> <laughs> so I started to have a, a mindset shift. Stephen Covey talks about a paradigm shift, and that's what was going on. And so it was not about me basing who I was based on the success I had, because if you base your happiness on being successful or having a good day is a bad day, it's going to be like this. Yeah. And did you ever get to the open top where you're at the top, you're where everybody wants to be, you're successful, quote unquote, those listening to the podcast and making right. quotes, those seeing it. Sorry, you have to see my ugly mug. But when you get to the top and then it's empty. You're like bored. I want to leave. What I just worked these oh. two years and what the heck did I even accomplish? Right. Yeah. So I just got goosebumps. Okay. So David just said this. So here's something really important. So serotonin, the happiness drug in our brain, I've gotten to a place where I could ch actually change the chemicals in my brain. Everybody can do this. I mean, we'll get to this in a little bit. The being happy, and Tony Robbins speaks to this. When you are making progress in your life, whether it's in your relationship, within your career, within something, you're going to be happy. But happiness is a choice. And I was starting at that point in time to really start focusing on gratitude. Instead of thinking, oh, here's where I am, I started thinking, hey, I have sh shelter, I have food, I have clean wa water, I, I, don't, I don't live in pain, I have all my appendages. I have all my senses. When you focus on what you're grateful for and realizing God made you unique, it changes your perspective. And when you start to think from that and realize, wow, I'm unique and powerful. I haven't arrived, but I understand that I can develop the necessary skills to get to the next level. So that's kind of how my mind shift, shift happened. There's that word again, that mind shift happened, mindset shift happened in my, in my life and how I started to, it wasn't like 180 degrees. It was kind of like a 90 degree angle. So I started to make the, the, the change in my life and still making it for that matter. But later in life, I was able to continue making it. So I was getting more to the right place in time. Does that answer your question? Yeah. So you had, you, you came up at some point or somehow you had a new vision, a new image of what your life should be. Right. And then you kept working towards that. And it's huge. What you just said, Chaz, some people are like, Oh, well, why aren't I there today? Well, it took you years to get off track and it takes you sometimes time to get back on track. And like, you know, for me, I gained, I'm going to be blunt. I gained 40 pounds this year. 40 pounds. So I went from a healthy 185 to an unhealthy, almost 220. Well, it's going to take me longer to lose the weight and a lot more effort than it did to eat cupcakes and sit on my butt. So it's the same thing with your life. You got to keep that vision. I got to say where I'm going. This is where we're going. This is where we're going. And then keep adjusting and getting there. So that's what you're describing. And I just want to make sure the audience knows that we're all in the same boat. We all struggle with this. And Chaz did it. 
So even though he's given you these practical steps, he had a solid vision of where he wanted to be. And I don't want to speak for you, but you keep referring to, you said you changed and went back. So there was some kind of vision or, or, or lifestyle that you were looking to and you kept on. Is that correct? Yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't really that clear then it was becoming clear. Understanding who you are and whose you are is one big thing on your identity is, is, is a really powerful thing because before my identity was based on my performance. Now my bay, it wasn't based on my performance as much. Now I still struggle with that. It's still somewhere where I can go that direction, but it was based on who I am and being God's creation, going back to that Ephesians 2.10. So at this point in time, by the way, I had put on 45 pounds and I was 212 pounds and I'm 169 and I'm in very good shape. So here's a key thing for people to think about. I was sitting there fat, heavy, and at that point in time, my kids would come over to, to my house on the weekends or when they come over and I would videotape our experience and I would make a DVD and send it home to them because I wanted them to have a, a positive image. And as I was looking at this, the videos, when my kids would leave, I would just be like crying. And so I would look to their videos and create stuff and movies and stuff with us back then. And as I was looking at a video, I just had this video recorder just we were in the yard playing. I saw myself going on this water slide and I saw this love handle hanging out of my, out of my shorts. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that is sick. So you talk about wanting to change and whatnot. One of the things that's really powerful, and this is the thing that humans are so great at doing, is we don't want to see ourselves for who we are and where we are. When I saw that, I'm like, ugh, I started to walk around the block. And so it's about progress. It's not about, I gotta lose all this different weight to do this fat diet. So it's not, just do something additional, one thing new each and every day. When you do that, over time, you can build a habit and continue to move forward. And so with my career and with my health, I started to eat healthier. You know, I started to do some exercises. And so to this day, even if I working late, I'm like, well, I got 15 minutes. What can I do in 15 minutes? And I do it. And so now I work, you know, five to work out five to six times a week, cardio weights or just, you know, without weights. So it's all about progress. It's all about those, you know, hate to be cliche, but inch by inch, it's a cinch. It's so true. A lot of times we're like, oh my gosh, I'm all the way back here. And we're like, and this is how I live my life. I got to get here. So I'm going to do all these different things tomorrow. You'll do these, you'll get burned out. And then you'll usually go back further than you were previously. So yeah. tiny little steps. Yeah, I agree. Completely agree with you. So before we go forward to your four steps and helping people, I'm going to ask you two questions. Number one, is there anything else we didn't cover to this point in your story? And then I did want to talk about your childhood because right. we're all born and we have certain characteristics and we're all learn. We all learn like learn behavior. So, you know, what people say are leaders born or made. It's a little of both. Sometimes just people are born mostly a leader. Sometimes people have to put effort in. But for guys like you and me and a lot of our listeners, 
how I don't want you to go more personal and you're comfortable, but what happened in your childhood that created this type of mentality that was trapping you that thank God you became free from. Right. And remember, remind me of a flea circus when we get through this. Okay. Flea circus check. Right. Okay. So I grew up, I was, it was like amazing until I was about seven, six, seven. And my dad would tell me, come into my room at night and tell me stories about me and my magic sword and how I face all these enemies and vanquish them. What a positive message to hear as a kid. Then all of a sudden around six, seven, my parents got divorced. My dad disappeared. I thought he was dead. And my mom, who was an art teacher making $4,500, a year, something like that, had to raise three boys without any financial help from my dad. So my mom was under a lot of stress. My mom never was told by her parents that she was loved. They never hugged her or anything like that. And so, oh, another thing is my mom was very proper and went to finishing school. She grew up in the East. And from that generation and how she grew up, you didn't really express yourself and you suppressed all your feelings. And so I grew up in an environment, and this is my mama's, my mom passed away in 2000. I love my mom and we had a great relationship before she died. At this point in time in my life, though I was seven or eight, she was very critical. I didn't have any boundaries. And I was a kid who definitely needed some boundaries. <laughs> so I could do whatever the heck I wanted to pretty much all my life. And I got into a, a lot of different trouble. I was very rebellious because here I am in this critical environment. My dad, who was like this amazing figure in my life, telling me about me and my magic sword, you know, stories before bedtime, he disappeared. I thought he had died. For five years, I searched and searched and searched for my dad. I finally found him. I tracked him down and I got him on the phone and I'll never forget this. I said, dad, I go, what happened to you? I thought you died. And this is how messed up his mind was. He goes, well, I lost all my money. So I didn't think you wanted me around anymore. And that goes to when you take him and his childhood with his dad, which I'm not going to go through all that right now. He had a really jacked up perspective on life. And so that was devastating when I thought my dad had died those five years and growing up in a very critical environment, but yet had no boundaries, you know, poor in school or whatnot. It wasn't like, oh, you need to get this. And so I grew up in that environment and we never talked about anything. We never, if we had a problem, it, we suppressed it. As a matter of fact, I found out when I was like 18 or 19 that we were Italian. My grandfather had immigrated from Italy. And at that point in time, I was struggling with my identity. I'm like, oh, Italian, right? And my mom's like, shh, don't tell anybody that. Like, <laughs> what the heck? So suppressing feelings, not being able to deal. And I'm a very emotional person. And so when you have your parents, one disappeared, who was feeding so, and the dad is such an important role in your life. And when the father's not there or absent, there's a void. 
I didn't have structure or anything else in my life. So there was a void. The criticalness was uh, something that affected me. And then suppressing my feelings. That's why when I got to the place where my mom died, I didn't know how to deal with the grief and whatnot because I just thought, you know, your parent dies. Oh, it's just a parent. I didn't understand the feelings that you would feel and they were very intense. There's no, nothing I've ever experienced like that before. And for everyone who's lost a child, I can't even imagine that, okay? So to give you some background to answer your question specifically, growing up in that environment, I didn't have you know, my self-worth, okay? Very critical and I was in rebellion and I had no clue who I was, my identity. I was very, I was a very insecure person. Yeah. And to anyone out there listening now, it, like listen to what Chaz is saying, because the story is the same. I think it's something ridiculous. Have you ever heard the stats of federal prison, Chaz? Like, yeah, it's like 90 plus percent of the men in federal prison grew up without dads. And the impact a father has on a boy, a mother too, but I'm saying directly, there's something special about a father son relationship, a mother daughter. But if you're listening now and you had this relationship, like my dad was estranged too, it deeply impacts us. But remember, like Chess says, you have worth. God loves you. That's not just a cool phrase or a bumper sticker. Amen. It's real. That's right. And then if you're the mom or dad listening now, not saying this to say you're a horrible human, but your life's not over yet. You can still fix things. If you're a mom or a dad who left your kids, it's not going to be easy, but it'll be worth it. And those kids need to know you love them. That's right. Because if you think they're better off without you, that's a lie from the devil. Big time. And Chaz and I would rather have a dad around who's not perfect than not have a dad around and think he doesn't love us. So I'm just encouraging you. I'd slap you in the head if you're in front of me in a good way, in a loving way. But go for your kids, man. They're worth man, the amen to that. It's in going back just to dovetail what David was saying. My dad, when I talked to him and got him on the phone, he was like, well, I lost all my money, so didn't think you wanted me around anymore. And so for everyone out there, we can, in our mind, think that, oh, my kid, because I screwed up here, this, that, and the other. And so you can say, kids long for their father, no matter how bad the relationship or what, it, they long for their father. And nothing gets, you know, the mother relationship, very, very, very important. They long to have a relationship with their mother and father. And so if you're not in their life, reach out to them. Do something that's going to reconnect with them. It's an important role to have, and you don't want to get to your end of your life and have regrets. And you may deal with some pain and have some awkwardness in working through that, but it's going to be worth it. Yeah, I agree completely. And I didn't mean to take you deeper than you wanted to go, but I really feel that's... No, it's, that's good. I don't mind life, going deep. I'm yeah, it's a life. gun to my head. I mean, I don't, I don't have a problem going too deep, you know? With hollow point bullets, you can't <laughs> miss right. that There's way. Safety off. Tap my if, finger on the trigger. Yeah, if you don't know anything about weapons, a hollow point bullet makes an exit one bigger than a basketball. So there's no missing with those. to end the pain then, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. If there's more about your childhood... If there's more to your story to where we've brought you to, to this point, please share it. But if not, don't forget the flea circus and your magic four. Yes. So that's kind of gives you an understanding. I was insecure and whatnot. 
and we're not responsible for how we grow up and I never consider myself a victim, okay? We are responsible as adults for correcting how we were raised and becoming the people that God created us, men and women that God created us to be. So with the pain from my past, and this is what all of us do, in a flea circus, and you can Google it if you're not flea circus, what the heck is a flea circus? You can Google it, they actually have flea circuses. So within a flea circuses, they have fleas, and so you have to train a flea within a flea circus so they could do what you want them to do. And fleas, I'm not sure who in the world, where you're listening to this, I think fleas are worldwide, they can jump high, they're very small, you can't see them. So to train fleas, they'll take a jar, for the flea circus. So to get them into the jar before they go into the flea circus, they'll train them. They put them into a jar and the flea will jump right out. So they put a lid on a jar. And so what happens? So the flea will jump out, jump out, jump out, jump. And then all of a sudden not jumping as high because ouch, that hurts hitting your head, right? So what happens after a while, I'm not sure a day or two, they take the lid off the jar the fleas could easily jump out of the jar, but they don't because of what? They've been conditioned. Yeah, they've been conditioned because of the pain from their past. And so here they are not living up to their potential. They've been conditioned to, and then they have them jump through hoops and whatnot. But as people, because of the pain from our past, we are conditioned because we hit our head, hit our head, hit our head. We do not have a lid on our jar. You could jump out of your comfort zone and into your potential right here and now. The only thing that's stopping you is you, okay? Now, and people could be some, some extreme circumstances. You know, you're into, you know, sex slave and into slavery, and there's all sorts of terrible things going on in the world. But still, within our mind, we can take ourselves. and if you guys haven't, if you've ever read the book, Viktor Frankl, he's a Holocaust survivor. Have you ever read his book? I've read parts of it. Yeah, I remember in college. Yeah, so, I mean, it gives you perspective. And he talks about basically being able to have happiness during being in a concentration camp. But going back to my point, the pain from our past conditions us to only go so far. And then when we start to get that pain or outside of our comfort zone, we're like, oh, wait, this is not me. And we stay in this comfort zone that prevents us from reaching our potential. And so as I talked about my why, that's what I want people to do. Understand their potential, get out of their comfort zone and, or yeah, get out of their comfort zone and step into their potential. Okay. So remember that the pain from your past will stop you, but there is no lid on the jar. As a matter of fact, I just took it off for you. Now you realize you could jump out, start living your life. All right. Amen to that. So business, the four components or the four things to be successful with business, to grow your business in sales, I use the acronym. It's okay if we go down this road with you, David? 100%, man, 100%. Okay. And just so you and the listeners know, if there's ever a delay between what Chaz is saying is me, I mute my mic and then I got to push my space bar. So don't think I'm not listening or I'm playing Nintendo. No, no, no. Over he here. Is. If you're not looking at an audio, you know, I can see you got to push the unmute button. So I appreciate that. So in business, in sales, there's four things that have to be in place to be successful. I use the acronym TABS, okay? And this could be true in a lot of different areas in life. 
but tabs, T-A-B-S, okay? T is for technique. Technique isn't about manipulation. Remember I talked about the intention to serve. That's the first step in our sales process. But you have to have the right technique. And I'll give you a perfect example. Kimberly, one of my clients, she just signed up last week. And Kimberly is great at what she does. A lot of people I do, they're great at delivering what they do, but they are terrible at sales and or marketing. And Kimberly even told me, she's, I'm terrible at sales. And so Kimberly was talking to a lot of people and she does with a lot of people that don't know how to sell is she would just features and benefits, features and benefits, features and benefits. This is what I do and all this. And it just bores people. Okay. One of the key things when you're talking to people, when you first start a conversation is you need to build rapport. That's very important. If you don't have rapport, that's building trust. They're not going to communicate with you openly because people are afraid to be sold. And I'm lifting my hands up like a wall. We have a wall up. We all do. We don't want to be sold. If you're in a retail store, someone walks up to you and says, may I help you? What typically, how do you respond? Just looking. Yeah. If you know what you want, you're like, where's this? Or no, I'm good. Right. It's a lie. So now with Kimberly, one of the things she was missing is people would say some things and she's like, oh, that's awkward. And here's a specific example. So I was telling her there's a technique to have a pattern interrupt to take people outside of their normal train of thought so that they actually focus on the true problems and issues they have so you can work through them. Remember, you can't serve someone at the highest level. I didn't say this earlier, but you can't serve someone at the highest level if they don't become your client in sales. And so one of the things Kimberly we came across is I talked about the pattern interrupt. I'm going to go here right, right now is this company that she had been talking to on and on and on and on. It was going nowhere. They were telling her, well, I don't know, you know, we can probably do something. And so I got her on the phone and I go, why are they talking to you, Kimberly? She's like, good point. So the next meeting, she went into the conversation. They said, well, Kimberly, we really appreciate talking to you for the last 10 months, whatever is wasting her time. She's not getting paid for this. She said, why have you guys wanted to talk to me for the past 10 months? And then there's a long silence. And if there's a silence, by the way, never fill that silence in, let them talk. All of a sudden the CEO piped up and said, you know what? She has a good point. And we've had you here because we do need your help. Just by her doing a come to Jesus, calling them out, doing a pattern interrupt, she was able to get the process to the next step. And she signed a contract the next day after 10 weeks, just by doing Hey, that. good for her. Yep. So that's technique. Again, it's not about manipulation. It's about guiding and directing the process. Now, mindset, nothing happens without the mindset. I use attitude, but really is mindset, but tabs, M doesn't fit into my acronym. <laughs> so it's attitude. If we don't have the right attitude, we ain't going to do something. So here's Cindy. Cindy was one of my clients and she was really struggling with a bad mindset. We all struggle with that. If we don't have the right mindset, we're not going to execute. We're not going to take action. One of the things I have my clients do when they first come on board is I have them create a sales mission statement where they list out where they are, 
how they help people, what are the outcomes, what's their why, what are the obstacles they have to face, and then they read through that daily, twice a day. It will rewire how you think. It will go into your reticular activating system, and those that don't know what the reticular activating system is, if you've ever gotten a new car, and all of a sudden you're thinking, wow, look at all the people that have the same make and model car I have. That's because that's in your reticular activating system. It filters out what's important and what's not important. So by having them go through this exercise, they rewire how they think, they build confidence. And so Cindy, within 30 days, she was able to have conversations, ask difficult questions, and her within two months, now there's a strategy involved here as well that I'll get to. She was able to go from not bringing any clients in in three months to signing up five clients in five weeks after six weeks within my program. Okay, that was six weeks and then the five weeks per, uh, or following that, okay? So that's the mindset you have to have in place, the technique, and now we talk about behaviors. Now, a lot of times in sales, people think cold calling, Cold calling is a behavior. It is, but it's a terrible strategy, okay? It's inefficient and it's not productive. So, but it is a behavior. And so within what we do, I'm gonna to get to strategy here. We use LinkedIn in B2C, business to consumer, B2B, business to business. You can reach people on LinkedIn. People are there no matter B2B or B2C. And so our strategy that we use is LinkedIn with a short, medium, and long-range strategy so people can reach them based on emotional intelligence, based on their motivators, their behaviors, their background. And when you do that, as opposed to spamming someone, you can get conversations. Now, Steve, former rocket scientist, my one client, he didn't want sales. He was very uncomfortable. When he developed out his profile, which is the first pillar in our our uh, strategy on LinkedIn, he started to attract people to him. When he started to understand emotional intelligence, it's like if you go to someone's profile, you can make an assumptive statement based on where they are in a question. And based on psychology, you can get people to engage with you. We teach people the skill set. Okay. He started scheduling an appointment a day before he had gone through a couple months without scheduling many appointments, the appointments that he was scheduling with people on LinkedIn were people that wanted to sell him something, okay? So he learned within 10 direct messages a day, able to schedule one appointment. And so once you understand those behaviors, those numbers, and then you have the skill set with the right mindset, then you can do those behaviors and then you can schedule qualified meetings, okay? And then the strategy has to do with my five pillars. There's, I have a whole training on that that I can go into. Just know it's using LinkedIn with emotional intelligence based on outreach and based on inbound, based on content. And so with the sales tabs and with the marketing, I bring those together in one congruent ideology. And if you have any questions, David, you want to ask me if I can give people information that would be helpful, I'd be happy to give them practical information to help them with where they are. No, I love it. I love the methodology and the approach and the sincerity to it. And it's real and that's why it works. So what you're saying, you have your technique, then you have the attitude, which is the mindset, then the behavior and the strategy. And when you were talking about the behaviors, 
I started laughing and I can't remember how you phrased it, but you were talking about how when people go out to sell, it's just like, well, you know, this didn't happen or this did happen. And you said something that triggered memories in my head and I just started laughing audibly. So I'm glad the mic was <laughs> muted. Well, I didn't even hear you. So yeah, yeah. I started laughing audibly and I'll have to go back and listen to the exact phraseology, but behavior in sales is so important. And the way that we interact with our clients, it's not about us. It's about them and getting in their mindset. And I like how you said, you know, you, you mentioned, you said 10 for that individual is 10 LinkedIn direct messages a day. For some people, it could be five. For some people, it could be 20. But there's definitely a strategy to it. So I love that, to understand your potential and embrace it and have what God gave you. If someone wanted to get a hold of you, if they want to check out more of your material and what you offer, what's the best way for them to connect with you? Sure. Best thing to do is I'm on LinkedIn a lot. I spent over 14,000 hours on LinkedIn. So I didn't just kind of like fall into this overnight. And I learned through making many failures. Failures, by the way, is, is a key to your success. And we can talk about that here in a second. Reach me on LinkedIn. It's the best place. Just go Chaz Horn on LinkedIn. If you Google search Chaz Horn LinkedIn or Chaz Horn Mastery, you can come across my LinkedIn profile. Reach out and mention this podcast in your connection message because I get a lot of connection messages and I don't connect with everybody. So if you mention this podcast or even put podcast in the connection message, then I'll connect with you and then we can we can talk. If also, if you have a business and you don't have a marketing strategy, marketing strategy, the purpose for that is to attract the exact right clients to you, prospective clients. And then the sales process is to transition those into qualified meetings and onboard as new clients. So if you don't have a marketing strategy or a sales process, I'd be happy to talk with you. I'm not going to pitch you. We can have a brief conversation to see if I can help. And if I think I can, we can have a more in-depth conversation for a different day. That's fantastic. Thank you, Chad. You can be. You if you're listening be. now, you can be. So from your story, Chaz, you truly are a remarkable guy. You've been transparent and open with us. You talked about the lows, the highs. You talked about your journey, where you've been, where you are today. Where are you going and how can we help you get there? Yeah, where am I going? That's a good question. I just talked with an entrepreneur today and she goes, what's your five-year plan? I said, well, I think with where we are, five-year plans are not even good because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, okay? So where I am today with my business is I want to get to the place operationally where I'm working on my business and not so much in my business. I have several people on my team, which are very helpful. So with the operational coach I brought in, she's helping me streamline some of the processes. And so I can get to the place where I have my business running without me. There's a great book out there, Built to Sell, that talks to this specifically. Okay. There's another book I'm going through right now, which is really good called The One Thing. And if anyone knew City Slickers, City Slickers, I have that on my website. Yeah. yeah. So one City thing. Slickers, the one thing, this book kind of came from that idea. And it's, oh my gosh, I read going through this. I listen to audible books. So I listen to him. I don't read as much. He talks about the one thing. So what I'm doing right now is 
I'm focusing on the one thing that I need to do each and every day, the one thing I need to do in my business right here and now, the one thing I need to do to get to the next step. And so I'm coming to a place where I'm trying to get to my business to a place where I'm focusing on content and, and serving my clients through training and doing sales calls. That's pretty much all I want to do. And so I can hand off other pieces of my business to other people. And so helping me get there, if you know other people who need help in business, refer them to me. I'm never going to, you can be rest assured that if I ever talk to someone, even if they're not my client or I don't help them, they're going to leave the conversation in a way it's like, oh, I enjoy talking with Chaz. There's been a couple of exceptions over the, over the years, but 99.9% .9 of the time, it's going to be a, a good conversation. So as far as helping me, refer people my way. I take referrals any in, in any way or not any form. Just I will take a referral. That's one way. Did you have anything else in mind? No. So if you're reaching out to Chaz, just contact him. Like he said, through LinkedIn, that's a primary source. I'll put a link in the show notes. Just put RPP for Remarkable People podcast, podcast. And that way he knows where you came from and he knows the mindset you're in. But if you need anything, you know, contact Chaz, contact myself. And Chaz, it's been a great interview. I feel like I've learned a lot. I know our listeners have from your past, the present, or in the future. Is there anything we missed that you want to cover? Yeah, I just said one thing. What was that one thing? We're talking about one thing. And I said, maybe and I'll... While you're thinking, I'm going to put the link into that video. I love that video. I have two links to videos on my website, okay. one of Yoda and one of the one thing with Billy Crystal. So yeah. I will put that link put that in the show. And then put the link to my LinkedIn profile so they can go directly there and then, and then connect. That's the easiest way to do that. Okay? Absolutely. Absolutely. And then is there any, any, if they reach out to you, is there like a time that you can talk to them? Yeah, what we'll do is we'll just reach out and I'll give you a scheduling link. I'll probably send you a personal video message that will go directly into my calendar. I, I'll, leave, I'll leave off with this. I know what I was going to say is failure. I want to encourage you. This I used to have a, a, a belief with failure was a destination and it defined me. And I want to let everyone know out there, failure is something that you need to embrace. As long as you own it, like if you do something, you fail, own it. Don't make an excuse. That will take you backwards. There's a great book out there too by some Navy SEALs called Extreme Ownership. So own your failure and then ask yourself the right question. You try something, it fails. It's a learning experience. And so you own it and say, okay, what can I do to make sure I don't repeat this again? Who can I go to to help me so that I can learn a skill set so I can get past this? The tendency we have with failures is we personalize it and say, oh, I failed. I am a failure. And don't do that. Okay. And then we ask ourselves the wrong questions. We fail and we make an excuse. And then we say, why does this always happen to me? When you add your, you are where you are based on the questions you ask yourself. So if you ask your brain that question, it will answer you. And you know what the answer will be? because you are an imbecile. So ask yourself the right questions. This goes back to kind of going through the journey too, David. Failure is a step in the process. It could be an anchor that takes you down. If you make an excuse and don't own it, don't ask yourself the right questions, or it can be a springboard that takes you into your potential 
if you own it and ask yourself the right questions and learn and keep moving forward. Man, that's great advice, Chaz. Thank you so much, man. Well, you truly are a remarkable person. For our listeners, stick around for a couple more minutes. We're going to give you a special offer and some information to close the show. But Chaz, thank you so much for being here today. It's been a true pleasure, man. And I hope to talk to you again soon, my friend. Yeah, and give God the glory. And thank you, David. I appreciate being on your podcast. Great questions. Oh, man, no, it's an honor. And maybe we'll see you again another episode, another season. Have Let's a great day. And to everybody, hang around for a couple more minutes and we'll, we'll close this out. Wow. Was that a remarkable episode or what? Chaz was open and transparent and inspiring. And I'm so thankful we had Chaz on the show today. Remember, these episodes are evergreen. You don't have to just listen to it once this week. You can come back in a week, a year, 10 years. As long as I keep paying my hosting bill, they'll be there, right? So enjoy the episode. Apply the episode. Tell us how it's helping you grow and share it with your friends and family. Couldn't ask for more. Now, for the special offer, we have not one, but two. Special offer one is go to Ron's website, ronvanderpaul.com. Give him a call, mention the podcast, and he has a special gift for you, okay? So that's episode one, special one. Special two is this. You can talk to Chaz, go to LinkedIn, reach out to him as a contact and message him, put in remarkable podcast, and then write him a short message. He'll give you a free 20-minute conversation to help you grow and start moving forward in your business and world. So that's it. I'm David Pasqualone. Thank you so much for enjoying the podcast, sharing it with your friends. And please, again, leave us stories and reviews of how this is helping your life because behind the camera, we can't see or hear you unless you reach out to us. And that means the world to myself, intern Casey, our sponsors, and everybody in the show. Because together we're a growing community and we want to help each other and we want to hear your story. So thanks for being here today. I'm David Pasqualone and I can't wait to see you next week in the next episode, The Susan Meyer Story. Ciao. The Remarkable People Podcast. Check it out. The Remarkable People Podcast. Listen, do, repeat for life.